go back next week. So I need to be a big boy. I'm, I'm about almost 60 years old. Maybe, maybe I'll go by myself. So I did. And I literally, I'm telling you, I walked up to the door of the bar. <laughs> and I'm looking in the parking lot. Is there anybody, are there cars passing by? And I literally remember looking at my hand shaking as I was reaching down to grab the door handle, thinking, I can't, I can, I can't, I will, will I, won't I? I don't know. And somehow the Lord was just gracious because all those barriers in my mind, right? These people are dirty, they're filthy, they're vile, they're sinful, they're wicked. They don't, they don't love the Lord. They, their speech is such that, that I find offensive and their lifestyles are such that I just, I don't, I don't want to engage with that. And all the while I was thinking, but what about that woman at the well? What about all those barriers that Jesus had to overcome to speak to her? And, and again, he says, give me a drink. Now we may hear that and, and think, well, that's sort of rude. I mean, I saw, you know, that sounds demanding, but, but understand it, it was not. Jesus was being compassionate. He was being gracious. He was overcoming all those barriers, all those obstacles to speak to this outsider, this, this person who was not right, this person who was an outcast, this person who was sinful, this person who was dirty, and he engaged with her, and she heard that, and she responded. In our engagement with sinners, are we, are we really willing to allow them to have problems? I mean, let's be honest. We don't like dirty people. We don't like uncouth people. We just don't. And churches particularly at least have a reputation of not welcoming sinners into their midst. Now, we have our approved list of life problems. You can, you can have complications with your health. Okay, you can have a disease. You can have something go wrong. COVID now is very acceptable. Oh, bless your heart, you have COVID. Wow, that's a horrible... You can have some other kind of disease, and that's an acceptable suffering that you go, okay, that's a horrible thing. Oh, you're having... Pro after you had a baby, whatnot. Oh, I know, it's really hard. You know, that's a hard recovery. You had a little postpartum, maybe. Okay, well, we get that. You, it's hard raising those little toddlers. We get that. So there, there are a lot of problems that we welcome and that we're okay with, right? Uh, death. Is that, oh, I can't, I'm praying for you. You know, I know that's hard. I know that's hard because your loved one passed away and you're really struggling with that. We have our list of approved life problems, but we also have a list of problems that we don't necessarily approve and that we're not going to necessarily welcome in the doors of our buildings. I'm in this building, so I'm picking on you, right, right now. But I'm, I'm not picking on you. I'm picking on the church in America. We won't let them come through those doors. I'm sorry, you're, you did what? You were unfaithful to your wife. <sighs> I don't know about that. Or you're just, maybe you're just struggling, you're struggling with lust? Why would you even tell me that? I don't want to know about that. Substance abuse. Are we freely talking about that? Do we welcome those people who are struggling with some form of substance abuse? Oh, your child, your, your, your sibling is, is wrestling with gender identity issues? Do we talk about those kinds of things? We know they're out there, right? 
I mean, in increasing numbers, we're seeing these kind of problems, but we're not going to talk about them in our churches. We're not going to welcome people. Also, your child is struggling with, your, with their sexual identity. Well, come, let's talk about that. Let's, 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 let's dig into that a little bit. Oh, pornography. Oh, yes, let's talk about that. I mean, just statistically, we know how rampant the pornography problem is, but do we ever talk about it? Do we welcome that discussion in our midst? Menopause, depression. I mean, we can go down the list of certain problems, life issues, that we, those aren't really approved. In the wild, they're approved. They talk about them all the time. They're not necessarily comfortable with all those issues. They're not comfortable with, with a lot of the sinful behaviors that we're not comfortable with, but they talk about them and they welcome each other, and they freely discuss the problems and the trials and the stress of what it means to raise a child that's struggling with gender identity. They'll talk about it. We won't. Why not? Why not? Maybe because we're not showing the same grace that, that has been shown to us. Too many, uh, too many times I, I find that people have been wounded by the church. Um, boy, that's so frequent as I do evangelism. I meet with people and boy, 99 out of 100 seem to have some sort of church story. Whether it's them, their parents, their siblings, somebody, they have some sort of church story of church abuse. And I don't mean necessarily sexual abuse or anything like that, but just verbal abuse or emotional abuse. They have all these problems and issues with the church because they, they brought life problems into the midst of the church family and they were not welcome they were not free to have problems sinners have problems are we going to welcome them and, and jesus certainly did that uh, I, my best friend from college a guy named john potts he he now works with young life if you're familiar with the ministry of young life young life targets kids who are unchurched right so he takes these he has this group of unchurched kids and he's trying to get them involved and they were on a trip and they were doing something and he wanted to, 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 to take them to a church event. But he was, he was told by the leaders of the church, now wait a minute, if you're going to bring those kids here, do, do they know how to behave in church? We're young life. <laughs> we specialize in kids who don't have church backgrounds. No, they don't know how to behave in church, and he wasn't allowed to bring them. What do you think those kids are thinking about the church? Well, you can't bring those problems into our midst. If we're going to do evangelism, if we're going to be at these wells, if we're going to engage with sinful people, they're going to have problems and issues. And while we may not be technically shocked by those issues because we read the news we know what's going on around us we're dadgummed if we're going to let that come into our churches and and that's just something we need to think about right jesus was able to lovingly show compassion to sinful people part of part of our strategy in doing evangelism if I know in the church world we want to take the idea of evangelism and the idea of shepherding, and, and those are two separate things. I mean, totally two separate things, right? Shepherding, you shepherd Christians, you evangelize non-Christians. 
But part of our strategy really says we want to shepherd the unbeliever just as you would shepherd the Christian, shepherd the unbeliever, because that's part of evangelism. Shepherd them into the kingdom. Shepherd them toward Christ. Love them, care for them, meet their needs, serve them, love on them as best you know how. Show compassion to them as they're having these problems. Shepherd them. And that is, in a sense, part of our evangelism strategy. Now, of course, our ultimate goal is to do what? Serve them the living water. That's what Jesus talked about here. Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. It'll, it'll become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. That's what we want these unbelievers to eventually hear and taste of, right? The living water that redeems them. We've heard this phrase, maybe we've toyed with it in, in times past, but you know, the, the phrase, preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. Now, what's the problem with that? Words are always necessary. David taught us, he taught in Sunday school, and again, I'll reiterate, if you're not going to that Sunday school class, the Lord may strike you with a plague, <laughs> um, and, and sores will come up on your body in the coming week, and that, that, I, that I'm just speaking a word of knowledge here, but the, the Lord laid on my heart. So go to that evangelism. So, so you'll learn more about what, so what are the words of the gospel? Because the gospel has to be communicated ultimately, yes, with our lifestyles, with our, with our shepherding and loving other people, but ultimately it has to be communicated with words. So what are those words? Um, so we want to talk to people and introduce them to Christ. And those words are obviously in the word of God, right? Our goal is to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, to get them to taste the living water. Our goal as a church is not to create a consumer product that puts us in competition with other churches down the street. I mean, we know, we know sort of the Christian culture, right? We know people church hop. You know, we know that, I, don't, I just don't know where we're going to go to church. You know, now church A, boy, that preacher, whoo, he is so, he's dynamic. But you know, we have teenage kids, and church B over here, their youth program, I mean, I, it's just wonderful. It's wonderful. But you know me, I love music. And church C over here, I just feel the Lord's presence every time I'm in their worship service. So we sort of bounce around. I mean, that's it's a temptation, right? It's a temptation that churches have because there's a, there's a Christian consumer market out there. And churches, I was a pastor for almost 30, well, 30 plus years. There's this temptation. We need to compete with that church down there. Now, what, what are they doing in their youth program? Okay, well, we can one-up that. Mm -hmm. And now with their kids, what are they doing with their kids? Okay, now we can, see, we can one-up what they're doing with their kids down there too. So, so there's this mentality that churches have I'm sure that has never happened here, never the temptation here. But it's everywhere. We want to compete, right? But our job, our mission is not to develop a Christian consumer product to compete with other churches. Rather, it is to, in the words of, of, of uh, 
one guy in California. It, we need to move from the mindset that the church is a provider of religious services to Christian consumers to the shaper of an apostolic people on a mission to a fallen world. That's our mission. Not provide religious services to Christian consumers. And I'm going to contend that as we do that, as we serve people the living water, not give them a consumer product, that, hey, our church is better than church down the street. When we serve living water, when we serve Christ, when we proclaim the clear, unadulterated, pure gospel of Jesus Christ, something happens. And I think it's an amazing thing. Look at verse 9 in, in your text here. This is the lady's response. Um, the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it? How is it that you, a Jew, Ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria. She asked how, not why. Put yourself in that situation. What would you have asked? Why? Why would you? Why would, you're a Jew, aren't you? Obviously, you're a Jewish man. Why would, why would you, a Jewish man, be speaking to me, a Samaritan woman? She understood all the barriers, too. Why would you do? She didn't ask why. She said how. Do y'all like like David Copperfield or Penn and Teller, you know, illusionists, mag magicians, whatever. So you see, here we are up on stage, we're doing our act, and we have the, the box there, and the, the, my helper, my assistant comes in and crawls in the box, and I take the big saw, and, you know, I show you that it's a real saw. It cuts things, and I put it, I saw the person in half. And I, the box splits open, and the head is over here in this half of the box, and the feet are over here in this half of the box. Do you ask, why did you do that? <laughs> and, and maybe you would, but no, typically we ask, how, how did you do that? Because you're stunned, you're amazed, you're like, you're overwhelmed with this sense of wowness. Wow. How? How did you do that? How did that happen? That was the woman's response, not, why would you cut a woman in half? Why would you do that? How? How could you do this? She was stunned. She was amazed. That is what happens when we show compassion. People are stunned. People are amazed. People are overwhelmed with this sense of how could that happen? How could you? They know we're Christians. How could you, a Christian, how could you, as someone who proclaims such a high and holy lifestyle, how could you involve yourself with me and my problems and my situation and my weakness and my broke? How could you do that? She was stunned. And notice what she does. If you have your Bibles open, go on down later in the chapter, verses 28 and 29. So the woman left her water jar, went away into the town and said to the people, come See a man who told me all that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? That's evangelism. That's evangelism. In my book, that's evangelism. Now, I don't want you to miss the point. You've heard me say, we need to go out. We need to find wells. We need to encounter sinners. We need to love them. We need to shepherd them. We need to share Christ with them. We need to get them to drink the living water. And when they're converted, they'll tell others about Jesus too. You've heard me say that, and that, all that's good. All, all that is, is good, but that's not the main part. The main part is making sure you know who you are in the story. 
Who are you in this story? You're not Jesus. That's always one helpful thing to remember. You are not Jesus. You are the woman. You're the sinner. I'm the sinner. I'm the one who was rejected, the outcast, the one who's unworthy, the one who's wicked, the one who's a, viewed as a traitor, the one who's uncouth, the one who's not accepted by anybody, the one who's not welcome in certain social circles. I'm, I'm that person. And Jesus came to me. And Jesus shared himself with me. So the question I leave you with this morning, have you met this Jesus? Have you tasted of the living water? If you do so, then you'll do evangelism. I don't think you'll have any choice but to tell others about him. You can't not tell others about Jesus once you've tasted, truly tasted, of that living water. So what's your one big application for evangelism today? Taste of Jesus. Simply drink of Jesus each and every day. And you're going to find that you can't help yourself. You're just going to have to tell other people, I've tasted of Christ. This is the real thing. Let me close in prayer. Uh, Father, thank you for the, the goodness of, of Christ, our Redeemer. We thank you that, that he indeed is that living water. And, and Father, Thank you for your spirit that has worked even in us, the, the faith that allowed us to first taste of him. Father, would we taste of him and drink deeply actually each and every day such that we would go forth and proclaim him to people who, who don't know, people who have real life problems. We know they do. Father, just... Give us the grace to welcome them and to love them and to shepherd them. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. We thank you again for Christ. We ask it all in his name. Amen.